Hey there, what's up? Happy Friday and welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast or welcome if you're new. Thanks for tuning in today. Wanted to start out the episode by letting you know that I am sorry there have not been any interviews recently. I do have quite a few planned. If you tuned into my uh, my last YouTube video, you will know that I am pretty busy right now though. And while interview episodes are kind of a little bit harder to edit, take a little bit longer, they're usually longer episodes, and I'm also just much more meticulous with them since there's, you know, another human involved, and so I try to make them really perfect. So I just haven't had time to edit and get those ready. So I apologize, the next episode will be an interview though, and I'm trying out here, okay? I'm trying. Um, yeah, I've been really busy though. All good stuff, mostly good stuff, I guess. Just been getting people onboarded to my new coaching program. So that's been really exciting. I'm so excited to work with some of you. I still do have a couple spots if you are interested, but I am starting to wind down for at least the next, you know, little bit, next month or so. Um, so getting people onboarded on that, getting a couple of new clients onboarded, and also getting ready for DC Webfest, which I will be attending. Uh, I don't think I said it on the podcast yet, so I guess I'll say since you're listening on the podcast, thank you for listening. Thank you to the guests who've been on. The podcast was selected to be in a Webfest in DC in April, so really excited for that, but I had a couple of things I needed to get over to them and just planning my travel and all that. It's going to be a great time. I'll be sure to vlog. I'll be sure to report back. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening and, and getting me there, honestly. But anyway, with all that said, today is another solo episode, and I was just doing some thinking the other night, and I actually asked in my Facebook group what you needed help with, because I am planning some webinars and just some more free, really valuable content, some ebook type things. Um, and a lot of you said, I need help with just social media marketing strategies. So that's what this is about. Um, I know that's a really broad topic, so I did ask some of you to explain a little more. And if you do have, have suggestions, please do tweet me at a journey east, Instagram me at journey east underscore, or head over to the Facebook group and let me know. But I thought what today I'd talk about is just a few different things that you can try to spice up your social media strategy for yourself or for your clients. So these are things that I often forget about. Like, you know, we get into our ruts with our, you know, again, with ourselves, with our clients, whatever. We get into ruts. Like, okay, let's just post like links from their blog or let's, you know, post a picture of my face because that's what people resonate with on Instagram or whatever it is. And that's okay. It's okay to have things that are proven to work for you, I guess. But it's good to just switch things up and just doing a little change-a-roo, a little switcheroo every once in a while can really yield some awesome, awesome results. So these are just five things that I had in mind. I went to a social media marketing conference here in Detroit last fall. It was like in September and they had a video marketing company there and he was presenting and he said the most simple thing that changed everything for me. Let me tell you, create square videos on Facebook. <laughs> it's so simple, right? Like what? Well, first of all, why? Because I think that we're conditioned to believe that Facebook is kind of like a YouTube competitor and so it should look like YouTube and it should be, you know, the regular 16, nine videos. The reason that he recommended that you create square videos on Facebook is because it actually takes up more space in the newsfeed. 
So think about it. When you run across a video that's a square, if you've ever been targeted by one of my video ads, it's probably been a square because I've been doing those ever since he said that. It just takes up more space. I have a MacBook Air that's kind of like my daily computer. It The screen is small, so a little 16.9 video gets lost. I can ignore those so easily, but a square video, it shows up really big, really large, and it makes me actually stop and take note of it. Another thing that I like about using square videos is that it's a little easier to repurpose, I think, than a 16.9 because, well, not for all platforms, obviously, like on YouTube, it's a little harder, but, um, you know, on Instagram, it looks amazing. I think that is, again, another really cool look on Instagram when you see a full square video versus a 16.9, which is like a blip on the Instagram radar. So... This is something that can really be really easily done on, uh, in Final Cut Pro. If you have that, I'm sure like most of the other video editing platforms, you can do it too. I just, I'm most familiar with Final Cut and with, um, uh, what is it called? Oh my gosh, this is terrible. My, my film professors would hate me right now. Whatever the Adobe one is. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. That's what I learned how to edit on. But yeah, try doing square videos instead of just doing the regular videos and see how they perform. Maybe do a couple of tests. And I definitely always recommend for ads, especially if you're paying to do them square, because I'm telling you, the results for me at least have been really good. Another thing to try that I always forget to do is just simple text-only posts. I think when we're curating and creating content, like that's the thing. When we start to think about a social media strategy, I know me as a marketer, as a social media strategist, I instantly am like, okay, what content do they have? You know, if I start working with a new client, what content do they have? Do they have blogs? Do they have videos? What can I post? And that is very legitimate. I mean, you need to have content. Content is still king. You need something. But think about all of the social media trends that happen on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Even, you know, you can even do text-only posts on Facebook, um, on on Twitter, I think I already said that, but <laughs> I think we underestimate sometimes the fact that our audiences just want to talk to us. Like they don't need to be entertained 24 seven. We don't need to be, you know, blowing them away with amazing, crazy visuals all the time. What you have to say matters too. And from, from all sides of things, you know, whether it's like funny and you're doing social media trends, like, um, Oh my gosh, what was the what was the Twitter thing that was going around? I mean, this is like a while ago now, but it's like, you know, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I, I don't know. If you're tw- if you're on Twitter, you know what I'm talking about. Everyone else is probably like, what is she talking about? But it's like you say something funny like, "Oh, like the flight attendant asked me blah blah blah," and then I say, don't, you know, don't whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about. Little things like that or um what are some other ones? Oh, uh, you know, some of you never watched XYZ when growing up and it shows like stuff like that. Those little one liners when brands can do it right. It is right when they do it wrong. It's wrong. So you got to be careful with this stuff. But I mean that you don't need an image to go with that. You don't need a, a crazy expensive video or any video at all. You can just literally quote a tweet uh, look at Wendy's. I mean, Wendy's, I'm so sick of hearing about Wendy's because everybody uses Wendy's as like the social media example. Um, but they're the best example of tone and voice out there right now. They just are. I mean, they, they're not, I can't even think of content that Wendy's has created lately. I mean, I know that they, they create content, but that's not what I care about. I care about what they have to say. And even when you are posting 
content, you know, visual content or audio content or whatever it is, the words you say matter too. So Instagram, as much as it's about the images, it's also a lot about what you have to say. And I've been testing out a lot of different caption options for myself. Um, just kind of going in between doing like really simple things and more blog type content. You got to test what resonates with your audience, of course, but, but the words matter. The captions definitely, definitely matter. Right now, LinkedIn engagement is so high, and I don't think it's going to be like that forever, unfortunately, but right now is a really good time to be on LinkedIn. So if you're a page or if you're just a a person, use that to your advantage. Um, A great example of this is Gary Vaynerchuk. Again, as somebody who's really overused, everybody uses him as an example for things, but I am connected with him on LinkedIn, and so I follow everything he writes on there, and he pretty much only does text-only posts. He writes almost like a blog. He uses his LinkedIn status or whatever you want to call it almost as like a blog. And I think he's seeing really high engagement and I think it's working for him. Otherwise, I don't know why he'd be doing it every day. So just something to think about. Another thing is user generated content. So if you have a product, this is kind of easy. You know, if you're a, I don't know, a shoe company, you probably are already using customer images to post on, you know, your brand or your client's pages and things like that. But for those of us who have a service-based business, or even if it's just like a a product-based business that maybe it's a digital product or just a product that isn't super Instagrammable, it can be hard to get those, or you might not think about them. But I think user-generated content can mean a bit of, you know, a few different things really. I mean, traditionally that's what it is. It's like the Coca-Cola bottles that have the names on them, right? Or it's, um, you know, an iconic lipstick that everybody takes pictures of. But I think you can also expand that to some extent. And, you know, for me, one thing that I'm really pushing myself to do, especially as I'm opening up coaching more and more and I want to continue doing this long term, I need to start asking my clients for testimonials. I just forget and it's a little awkward and whatever. And I'm not saying that I'm going to do a testimonial image because I think those are really overdone a lot of the times. But just having things like that to post if you need to or if you want to can be kind of examples of user-generated content. I've also thought about asking some of my former course and or coaching students to do videos. Like do, um, I've seen a lot of coaches do video testimonials and that just kind of seems like a big ask. So I haven't asked anyone yet, but that's a a good example of user-generated content. And influencer strategy is, I mean, it's kind of similar. It's a little different. It's influencer marketing, but it's the same kind of thing. If there is somebody out there who would benefit from your services or who might resonate with your audience, consider working with them in that capacity. And I think when we think about influencer marketing, I think first of all, it's been getting a really bad rap lately with all the fire festival stuff. And, uh, you know, people are just like kind of getting a little bit over it and burnt out on it. And it can definitely go really wrong. It really can. But I've, I've been on both sides of the coin. I've worked, you know, done brand work for companies. And I've, of course, been the facilitator for brands to, to get influencers. And it can be really amazing. And it doesn't even need to be paid necessarily. I mean, depending on what it is that obviously you do or what your client does, it can be a simple collaboration. It can be like a guest post on a blog. Um, you can have them guest. Um, you can do an interview with them start a YouTube channel and start an interview series with popular food bloggers. If you're a food company or, you know, these are just off the top of my head, but getting people 
involved is really helpful because they spread your message for you and you know you're sharing audiences you're not just reaching your own audience anymore chances are you know whenever I'm interviewed for a podcast for a blog and I love doing those things I just I don't know why I just think they're so fun whenever I do that I always share it everywhere I can one to help the person out but two everybody loves a little good humble brag you know so you can really benefit from that kind of those kinds of collaborations and they don't have to be super hard another thing this is not so much like a tactic or a new thing to try but it's just an addition to something and kind of a reminder that i want to give you put captions on your stuff so going back to those square videos if you're making square videos caption them 16.9 videos caption them vertical videos caption them. I really want to start captioning more of my stuff. Uh, one, just because of accessibility. I think that I, I don't think about my privilege when it comes to that enough. I think none of us do, but for our friends out there who maybe can't hear the video, I still want them to be able to enjoy my content. So for that reason alone, I really need to get on it. But it's also great because think about how many times you have scrolled your Instagram feed with the sound off. I would go ahead and say probably for me at least, it's like 90% of the time. Really the only time I have my volume on is like late at night when I'm laying in bed at the end of the night, which I know I should not do that. I should not be looking at my phone in, at night. But anyway, that's pretty much the only time. Um, otherwise, I'm either, you know, looking at it when I'm working, when I'm at the grocery store, when I'm having a conversation with my boyfriend again that sounds rude but you know like we'll both be on our phones or whatever so kind of talking and talking about memes to each other usually um but yeah I I definitely think that people I know I mean there's studies out there that show that people aren't listening with the sound down so you're missing a lot of opportunity by by only having your message being delivered verbally this is something that I do, again, especially if I'm doing Facebook ads, if I'm paying for traffic, I'm paying for views, essentially, you better be making the most out of it. You don't want to waste your money. So I always caption. Facebook does have a captioning system for their ads, um, but I like to just put it in the video, like do it in Final Cut because I think it looks better. You can kind of, you know, you can make it look a little fancier and uh, you don't have to worry about Facebook maybe messing up some of your words. It can come straight from the source. So just a little reminder there. And then the last thing that I wanted to toss out there as an idea, this is actually something that I've been wanting to do for a while, and I want your feedback on it. For those listeners out there, I would love it if you you know tweeted me or Instagrammed me or whatever. Um, I've been wanting to do some kind of a challenge because I used to do VEDA every year, which is Vlog Every Day in April. And it's just not realistic for me anymore. I might do it in August. I'm thinking about it. But it's just not realistic for me this month, unfortunately. Um, and it hasn't been for a while. But I used to love doing that because you get this network of people who watches your videos and engages with you. And obviously, it helps whoever created VEDA. I used to do the SSS VEDA version. And so the creator of that, she would get a lot of eyeballs on her content and, you know, just that thought leadership and all of that stuff. So it's kind of a win-win. 
And the reason that I'm bringing it up in this episode is because one, that's an idea that you or your client can definitely do. I know Hillary Rushford, a lot of you probably know her if you do a lot of like webinars and Instagram stuff. She teaches some great Instagram classes and she's also a wardrobe stylist or not wardrobe. Why did I say wardrobe? Not just clothing, like a personal stylist. That's what I'm looking for. She would do this closet. I think it was called like a closet challenge or something. So you take a picture every day and there's different prompts that she sends out. And so anyway, I've thought about doing something like that for, you know, the Facebook group or the podcast. I don't know exactly what it would be. Maybe it's like, hey, show me a picture of your favorite coffee shop that you work out of on day one. Day two, show me something you can't live without. I don't know. These are just ideas. Maybe it's a podcast challenge. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but I would love to do something like that. And I think doing things like that can really help you. Like I said, you know, people will start to understand that this is your thing, the go to your content, and it has kind of this great effect. And then it's also a great community builder, especially if it's coming from a brand. If you are a, you know, I don't know, crayon company, so random, but if you're a crayon company and you do a classroom challenge for all the teachers or all the classrooms who use your crayons, well, now you have this engaged audience of people who... Uh, you know, they're engaging with your stuff every day. So the algorithms are taking note of that. And these are all, you know, potential buyers. These are all people in your target demographic. So they're warm. They're warmed up to you and your content. The algorithms see that they're digging your stuff and it just works out. So these are all just some ideas to think about. If you're looking for a way to really uh, take your social media game to the next level for yourself or for your clients. And I'd love to know, like I said, what do you guys want me to do? I want to do it. I would want to do a challenge. I want to do a challenge of some sort. I think a month long might be a little aggressive, but I'm going to think about it. I'm definitely going to think about it. And if you have any ideas or anything that you'd like to see, hear, or read from me, let me know. And I hope this episode was helpful for you. I, uh, yeah, I think these are just some things that I forget about all the time. So hopefully it sparked a little bit of creativity for you too. Like I said, I'll be back with a new interview episode next week. So be sure to stay tuned for that. You can subscribe to the podcast and it would mean the absolute world to me. If you took a second right now to go to iTunes and reviewed this podcast, it really helps a lot. It helps people find the show. And uh, yeah, it would just mean the world to me if you did that. So thank you. My coaching is still open right now. If you're interested in signing up and applying for that, it'll be open for a little bit still. I am looking to take on maybe two, one to two new clients. So if you're interested, definitely don't delay. Ajourneyeast.com slash coaching is where you can find that. And I think that's all I have for you today. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you have a great day and a great weekend. And I'll talk to you next week. And that's it for this episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to let me know. Rating this podcast is a huge help. And you can also tweet me at a journey east with comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. Lastly, make sure to join my private Facebook group, Money Making Micro Influencer, if you're interested in elevating your influence and taking charge of your personal brand. There are so many like-minded, bright individuals in there, and it's a place I love to offer up free advice and a little bit of extra fun into. You can find it by searching Facebook for Money Making Micro Influencer. It'll also be linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.